Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful and cold Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, or listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple for listening on there. Share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you gotta do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow, like the pages there. You'll get episode updates, news, and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. I said cold. It is cold where I'm at. Now, it may not be cold anywhere else, whether you're in, you know, the east or, uh, you know, up north or wherever. It may be, I mean, it may be cold where, you know, y'all are, where it may be warm where y'all are. I don't know, but for where I am, it is about 46 degrees. It is chilly. It is chilly. I'm wearing a, obviously, if you can see it on YouTube, a Pigskin Frenzy podcast hoodie, orange and black. Today's Halloween. Happy Halloween, trick-or-treat, and today's going to be a trick-or-treat show. We're going to get into that in a minute, but for this, this hoodie, we'll get, in, we'll get into this more in the future. Just picture the hoodie if you're on audio, Pigskin Frenzy podcast, orange and black, orange hoodie, black lettering. Now, with stuff like this on YouTube and on audio, if you're listening on there, we'll get into that more in the future in the coming months. We'll have more updates on stuff like this. Coming out uh, within the near the near month, maybe November in the near future. So uh, just stay tuned and up to date with everything on socials on Pigskin Frenzy. Exciting stuff about to happen with Pigskin Frenzy. Let me tell you, guys. Week nine just happened. Fairly predictable, but but and big but here, but. <laughs> Still interesting. Now, long pause there. Week 10, we're going to get into preview predictions there. We're also going to talk about and unveil our first frenzy playoff rankings. I said that last week that we were going to do this, and I have it all together. If you missed this episode, don't worry. We're going to post the frenzy ranking, the, the frenzy college football playoff rankings on X, Instagram, and Facebook Wednesday. So Wednesday, we will be posting every you know, every our, all of our rankings up until the final selection of rankings, uh, you know, coming, you know, after a conference championship week. So, frenzy playoff rankings, the real rankings of the college ball playoff rankings, you know, are tonight on ESPN. Good Halloween treat for you. Today was also the deadline, but we're going to get into that Thursday. But subscribe to the channel. Keep plugging in the pigskin frenzy. That's what we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes. Keep plugging in. All socials, just type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow like the page on each page, get everything there. Keep plugging in on all the all on all platforms on Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, big thank you. Again, we got people listening from North Carolina, got people listening in from Alabama, got people listening in from Tennessee, uh, Texas, you name it. We got new people coming in, and it is just great. New listeners coming in. Big thank you there. Now Sorry for the promotion. Sorry for the pageantry. Three minutes of our time. But let's get into some football. Week 9 college ball recap. Now, I did not talk about this game. Did not talk about this game. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We have five games for the recap this time. Feeling nice today, guys. I'm feeling nice. I'm feeling nice. Trick or treat. Five games we're going to talk about. 
This one was an upset, and this was probably the one that I didn't see coming. Kansas, Oklahoma, and we're going to kick it off with this. Did not see this coming. Final score, Kansas 38, Oklahoma 33. Down goes the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll get into the stats, and then we will talk about the game itself. Jason Bean, 15 for 32 with 218 yards and two interceptions. He also had four carries with 62 yards and a touchdown. The running back, Devin Neal, 25 carries with 112 yards and one touchdown. Daniel Henshaw Jr., 12 carries, with 51 yards and two touchdowns. Lawrence Arnold, three receptions for 79 yards. Mason Fairchild, three receptions with 62 yards. And the Kansas defense had three takeaways. That was pretty impressive. Three takeaways on, you know, on their defense. Oklahoma stats, Dylan Gabriel, 14 for 19, was 171 yards and an interception, 14 carries with 64 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. All of his touchdowns came from the ground. Tywee Walker, 23 carries with 146 yards and a touchdown. Gavin Shawchuk, six carries with 19 yards and a touchdown. Drake Stoops, four receptions for, 47, for 76 yards, and the defense had three takeaways as well as being one in an interception by defense back Billy Bowman, the freshman sensation on corner now overall talk about kansas really quick impressive performance by them the jayhawks rock chalk and lawrence i've been up there awesome stadium lively campus and they were rocking in lawrence this past saturday i've been up there so uh if you ever if you're ever in near the lawrence area it's not bad it's not bad so you know go up there visit you name it but Kansas, they were without Jalen Daniels once again. Jalen Daniels is their quarterback, their starting quarterback, who's been out due to some back issues. Jason Bean has been the quarterback for probably like half the season so far, and he delivered in a big way Saturday. OU didn't seem like they were ready for this one. They seemed like they were kind of sleepwalking a little bit, and it came back to, to bite them. Kansas is not a team that you sleepwalk on. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're in the Big 12 out there and whoever is like, ah, oh, it's Kansas, you know, yeah. I'm just saying, do not sleepwalk on Kansas. Texas did not sleepwalk on Kansas. They took them serious and they ended up winning pretty fairly, pretty decisively. But OU just chose to sleepwalk a little bit, I think. And I think that's what caught the Sooners. I'm not saying Oklahoma's not a good team. They're a great team. They have one loss. A one-loss team, they're still fairly in it. But no more sleepwalking. Because now we're in the first Saturday of November. As I would like to call it, make it or break it. And we're in the make it or break it month now. No more playing around. You can't sleepwalk anymore. And that's for any team. I don't know. That's, that's not just for OU. That's for Georgia. That's for Alabama. That's for North. I mean, North Carolina's out. That was another upset, but they lost to Georgia Tech. But Miami, uh, that's for anybody. That's for anybody who, or Miami doesn't have one loss, but anybody has a one loss. This is for Ole Miss. This is for Oregon. This is for Washington. This is for everybody. I'm going to get into Washington in a little bit, but it's for everybody. You can't sleepwalk anymore. Make it or break it. If you want it bad enough, you got to go get it. Right? You got to go get it. You got to take it. OU, slip walk a little bit, but no more. You got to be focused from here on out. Kansas played a good game. OU played a good game. They competed with them a little bit, but they kind of slept walk in areas. And that's why I was saying they slept walk. In a lot of areas, they slept walk. They had some 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 missed opportunities downfield that they could have capitalized on, but they didn't. Um, Kansas, you know, just capitalized on those three takeaways and 
They ended up icing the game. They stopped them when OU was about to score a uh, touchdown, a game-winning touchdown, in fact. And KU capitalized, and the Jayhawks, with Rock Chalk on their side, got the win. Big win for Kansas. 38-33, Oklahoma down against Kansas. Kansas defeats Oklahoma, upset 38-33. OU is 7-1. Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks are 6-2 and when they're bowl eligible. <clears throat> if anybody needs a coach out there, I know there's one person out there in Lawrence, Kansas. Call Lance Leipold. He's a solid coach for the Kansas Jayhawks. Now, moving on to some of the games we talked about last week. Louisville and Duke. I went 3-1, and one, by the way, guys. I was not bad, <laughs> all right? I thought these, these were some fairly good some fairly good games, honestly. I thought these were some good games that I called and kind of got right on point with a little bit. I said that Louisville needed to stop Duke's running game because Duke's running game the week prior was unbelievable. Jock Moore put up 110 yards. He was, he was amazing. But, and I think Louisville kind of had an... It was kind of iffy about Louisville because of how and how everything went down before the bye week and before against Pitt, and I just felt like they needed to stop the running game. Well, they did, and not only did that, Duke didn't score any points. Final score, Louisville 23, Duke 0. Jack Plummer, 11 for 16 with 117 yards. Jahar Jordan was the difference maker. It was funny because I said they needed to stop the run. They did. But Duke couldn't stop their running game. Jahar Jordan, 21 carries with 163 yards and two touchdowns. He had a hamstring issue a week prior during Pitt. He only played a couple of series and got pulled out. They were wondering if he was going to play this game, and he did play the game. So good. I mean, 163 yards and two touchdowns later. I guess, what do we think, right? Isaac, uh, I, I'm sorry, Isaac Garandino, Isaac Garandino. Eight carries with 45 yards. Maurice Turner, eight carries with 24 yards and an 11-yard reception. Jamari Thrash, seven receptions with 73 yards. The defense was stingy and even p- pitching a shutout on top of the interception they got in the game. Let's go with Duke really quick before we break down this game. Riley Leonard, nine for 23 with 121 yards and an interception. Ten carries with 13 yards. Jordan Waters, five carries with 23 yards. Jaquez Moore, six carries with 15 yards. Jordan Moore, six receptions with 92 yards. The defense played the best that they could. They just couldn't seem to slow down the run game of Louisville. And by the run game, I mean run game. Let's go with the rushing yards before we go with the passing yards. Duke's rushing yards, 51. Louisville's rushing yards, 234. Duke had passing yards of 151, and Louisville had passing yards of 117. So Duke won the passing game a little bit, but, but, another big but. They just couldn't get anything going on the running game. They couldn't get anything going running the ball. Riley Leonard was a little bit limited, and I said that was probably going to be an issue. I said that Riley Leonard was going to be a tiny bit limited because of the ankle issues that he's been having. He was a game-time decision again, and it's one of those things where you look at it and you think, oh, man, if Riley Leonard's at his 100% best, how would this game play out? Could I still see Louisville winning? Yes, but this game could have been a lot closer. I just think Duke has got a lot. Of, Duke's just beat up. I think they're a little bit beat up. They're five and three now. Those were two law. They've had three losses now. Notre Dame's one. Florida State and now Louisville. 
Mike Elko's a solid coach. I know they're going to turn it around. I do, in fact, think they're going to make a bowl game. Duke is a solid team. They're just not ready currently with the, with all the injuries happening right now and everything going on to be at the top of the ACC. But let me tell you who is. The Cardinals of Louisville. They are a team that is ready to be on top. And they are 7-1. Jeff Brom in his first season back at his alma mater. 7-1 has a shot at playing undefeated Florida State in the ACC championship game December 2nd. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, it's Louisville. Louisville versus Florida State. They made a run for it, and now they are they're winning. They're winning each and every game. Now, the, uh, they have a, a, a tough test coming for them in the end of the season against Kentucky. I think it's going to be a, a fairly close game. Uh, I think Kentucky's going to give them a run for their money. We're going to talk about Kentucky later on in a minute. But Louisville, they look solid, man. They look solid definitely in the run game. I mean, Jahar Jordan, probably one of the most underrated backs in college football. He's a, he is a, a playmaker, and he creates those explosive runs for that Cardinals team. That create a spark. Can Florida State stop that? It's looking like we're headed for a Louisville versus Florida State showdown in the ACC title game. And can Florida State contain Jahar Jordan? But what's but what can Louisville's defense do against the receiving core of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson? I don't know. But Louisville looks good. Louisville looked good in this game. They pitched a shutout. They didn't even let Duke even score any points. They were more physical. They, you know, they may have not scored a ton of points, but they were phys- more physical on offense, and they kept kept running the rock. That game plan was to run Jahar Jordan and let him fly, and they did. Final score, 23-0 Louisville routes Duke. Louisville's on its way to a uh, 70, you know, one-loss season, potentially heading for an ACC championship showdown with Florida State. Duke... Going back to the drawing board, let's see what they do coming up this week. North Carolina lost to Georgia Tech. North Carolina looks out, and they are, I don't know, their season's kind of dim at this point. Playoff hopes consistently probably probably out the window at this point. Uh, New Year's Six pitchers not out, of this, not out of the window at all, but ACC championship hopes is as long as Louisville keeps winning. So North Carolina's out. Teams that you need to look at right now for the ACC, Florida State, Louisville. 23 nothing. Louisville beats Duke. Now, moving on, let's go with Oregon and Utah. I'm just going to skip, skip right to the chase, guys. Final score was 35-6, Oregon. I picked Oregon to win this game. And you're probably thinking, whoa, you're not going give to give a little bit of an introduction for it? I'm just going to just cut to the chase. 35-6, Oregon defeats Utah. Believe it. I mean, you're probably thinking, wow. But you got to believe it. You got to believe it. This Oregon team is for real. They're for real. Bo Nix, 24 for 31 with 248 yards and two touchdowns. Four carries with eight yards and a touchdown. Bucky Irving, 14 carries with 83 yards and a touchdown. Jordan James, five carries with 38 yards, two receptions, 22 yards and a touchdown. Troy Franklin, an animal. Eight receptions with 99 yards and a touchdown. Tez Johnson, six receptions with 51 yards. Trayshawn Holden, five-yard touchdown run. And the Ducks defense caused two takeaways and brought a lot of pressure to that Utah offense. Defensive back Jaleel Florence had a sensational game with about seven total tackles. He played lights out. The Utah stats, Bucky, Bryson Barnes, 15 for 29 with 136 yards and two interceptions. Jalen Glover, nine carries and 39 yards. Jaquindon Johnson, 12 carries with 37 yards. Sion Vakai, Sion Vakai, 
five carries, 11 yards, and seven total tackles. Devon Belay, seven receptions with 80 yards. Money Parks, five receptions with 25 yards. The defense showed some heart, but they got outmatched by the Oregon Ducks. 35-6, there's really nothing else to say, but Oregon just outmatched Utah. A week ago, Utah was thinking, okay, we got USC where we want them. We have them. Their defense is a little bit, you know, a little bit on the weaker side. Now we're going to capitalize on their mistakes. They can't stop us. We're going to get them. We're going to punch them right in the mouth, kick that field goal, ice the game. We're hype. One lost team, only lost is Oregon State. This is a little bit of a different story. <laughs> Oregon is a team that you do not need to mess with this season. Oregon is a... Out of all the teams that could probably make the playoff field, in my eyes, Oregon could be it in the Pac-12. Oregon overall, and I still believe this way, has the most complete team in that conference. Hands down. You're thinking, oh, Washington, though. Washington. I'm going to get to Washington in a minute. When we pick our games, I'm going to talk about Washington in a minute. Oregon is a team that is the most complete team in college football. They got a solid coach. Dan Lanning? He's a great coach. He just made some mistakes in that Washington game. But Oregon seems to be getting better and better as the season goes on after that loss. They even played a great game in the loss against Washington. But they seem to play good each and every week. I'm kind I like this this Oregon team. I really do. Oregon looks good. Bo Nix established himself even further into the Heisman conversation. Thinks he has a right to be there, and a lot of other people do. I think he probably does. I mean, 35-6, to six, they beat the back-to-back Pac-12 champions, 35-6. to six. I don't know. Uh, Oregon just looked like a, a complete different team. Utah showed some flashes, but let me just tell you this. Three yards per play compared to Oregon's seven yards per play. Four yards of difference, but that make that makes a big difference when it comes to football. In terms of yardage in the game itself, seven yards per play compared to three yards per play, that gets you somewhere. That gets you somewhere. They bust out those short bursts of runs, get seven yards per play, then get the then capitalize on another first down on second down. Those drives kill you. Those don't those drives hurt you, right? Those drives don't, you know, they hurt you. And I think when it comes to football, when it comes to the game itself, that matters. And Oregon is showing those type of you know technical you know technical analysis and technical part of the game that can hurt you. They're playing technical football. That's all it is. They're playing technical football. They're 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 looking at you and thinking, okay, we're gonna hit we're gonna hit you technically, and you're not gonna stop it. And they're doing that. Dan Lanning, very good technical coach, very good team. Oregon's a good team overall. I like them on the, on on both fronts. I like their defense. I like their offense. I like their special teams. I like their players. Uh, I think Troy Franklin's one of the best receivers in college football. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in college football. I like Bucky Irving. I'm a big Bucky Irving guy. He's a solid runner and creates short short you know, short runs, and he can make it into explosive plays if he wanted to. He can create nothing into something. That's what I like about Oregon. Sometimes they create plays that are nothing, but turn it into something. 
That's what, that's what should scare you about Oregon. Final score, 35-6. Utah had some moments, but Utah just got outmatched. I mean, Utah didn't really have an answer for them, and that's what it was. It just, they didn't have an answer for them. I thought this game was going to be a lot closer, but Oregon had other plans. Oregon had other plans. It just got outmatched. That's all it is. I think Utah has the potential of uh, winning a lot, of, a, a lot more games this year. I think they're going to win out pretty much all their games. I think Utah's a good team. I think... They have a shot at beating Colorado. I think they have a shot at, at winning some of these games. Now, Washington was a we'll see. That's a we'll see for Utah, but we'll see what happens there. Final score, 35-6. Oregon routes Utah. Oregon is just a complete team, and I would kind of keep an eye on them in the playoffs. I'm going to get to them later in the playoff rankings. Now, Two more games before we go to the playoff, the frenzy playoff rankings. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Georgia and Florida. Um, I mean, when I looked at this game, I was thinking to myself, okay, what's going to happen without Brock Bowers? Everybody was asking that. How are they going to fare without Brock Bowers? Their top tight end, their top playmaker. They fared pretty well. I said they should have. They needed to get Lad McConkey involved, and they did. Final score, Georgia 43, Florida 20. Carson Beck, 19 for 28, 315 yards and two touchdowns. He had four carries with 11 yards. Dejon Edwards, 16 carries with 96 yards and two touchdowns. Kendall Milton, 13 carries with 55 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Bell, two receptions with 21 yards and a touchdown. He also had two carries with 13 yards. Lad McConkey, six receptions with 135 yards and a touchdown. I knew he was going to get him involved. Lad McConkey's a receiver that is kind of hard to contain a little bit. He's going to get his yards, it seems like. So you there, you got no choice but to try to let him get his yards and find another way to beat this Georgia team, which is pretty hard to thing to do. Dominic Lovett, four receptions with 83 yards, and the defense made a lot of good and tough plays led by defensive back Javon Bullard with seven total tackles. Florida didn't have a bad game plan. They just got outmatched. Graham Mertz, uh, top three in completions in college football, by the way. Graham Mertz, 25 for 34 with 230 yards and two touchdowns. He had one touchdown on the ground. Montreal Johnson, nine carries with 82 yards, two receptions with 14 yards. Trevor Etienne, seven carries with 42 yards. Ricky Pearsall, six receptions with 99 yards. Eugene Wilson the third, the freshman receiver, 11 receptions with 75 yards and a touchdown. And Hayden Hansen on a touchdown pass. And the defense just couldn't hold on very much against Georgia's offense. And what I mean by that is Georgia would have big plays and explosive plays that Florida just couldn't contain. Florida had some good explosive plays that Georgia kind of got on their heels with, but they could counter that. Florida doesn't... It's like a, it's like a boxing match. You got to have counter punches in these fights, right? In boxing. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. But Florida just did not have any counter punches. Prime example. That's a big example right there. Georgia has the counter punches. They have the weapons and they have the depth and they have the team to counter a lot of what you're doing. Florida doesn't really have that like a Georgia, like an Alabama, like an LSU, like an Ole Miss currently in the SEC. That's okay. They're trying to get there. That's all. That's what that's all about. You're trying to build. Georgia played a solid game. 
<laughs> I'm not going to lie. They look pretty good without Brock Bowers. And for everybody that says, okay, it's going to affect them, 43 to 20 says otherwise. I mean, they look solid on offense without Brock Bowers. I think Georgia looked good. I think they look good on defense as well. They, they, they created some tough plays. Their open field tackling, still superb. Georgia didn't sleepwalk this game. They look good from opening to, you know, opening to end. Uh, they had some flashes to where they can improve and they can get caught in some areas. But they look pretty solid. They look like a team that could probably win out the remainder of their games. Now, are they a beatable team? Sure. I think everybody's a beatable team in college football this year. I think everybody has a sh- chance to lose. And I think everybody has lost. I mean, not everybody has lost, but you know what I mean. I think a lot of people can lose in college football this season. But Georgia is a team that is a very tough that is a very tough team, and you're going to have to prepare well to beat them. For Florida, they got Arkansas this week, and they have a chance to rebound against an Arkansas team that's coming off of a bye. But even though they're coming off of a bye, it's not a... It's it's not a it's not a team that's looked the best this season and it's kind of disappointed a little bit this season, especially with the talent that they got. Florida can easily capitalize on a lot and outmatch Arkansas this week. So, you know, they can come back and try to win this one. Georgia, just tough for anyone right now. Eight and no, number one in the nation, and it's looking like they're priming ready for uh, another East championship if Missouri has anything to say about that. Final score, Georgia 43, Florida 20. Simple game to where they just got outmatched. Florida just got outmatched. Florida uh, looked good in certain areas. They looked like they can improve in certain areas. This is what this game was about in my eyes. Moving on, tricky game. And this is the last game we're going to talk about for week nine and move on to the college football playoff rankings for the pigskin frenzy edition, the frenzy playoff rankings. Tennessee, Kentucky, and this game was tricky for both. I think both really kind of, it was one of those things where a win would have helped both. And I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, they're, they're done when it comes to bowl games and all that. They're not. But it's a win that could have probably helped them a little bit to go to a higher bowl. And maybe even Tennessee to try to get back into the New Year's Six conversation. Uh, Final score, Tennessee 33, Kentucky 27. I got this game wrong. I thought Kentucky was going to end up pulling this one away. But, hey, I've been wrong plenty of times. So, uh, Joe Milton, 18 for 21 with 228 yards and a touchdown. 10 carries of 26 yards. Jalen Wright, 11 carries with 120 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Sampson has been a, a, a pretty good consistent runner for this team. Uh, he had 17 carries with 75 yards and a touchdown. He also had four receptions with 39 yards. Jabari Small, nine carries with 32 yards. Dante Thornton, three receptions with 63 yards. Squirrel White, five receptions with 47 yards. Chaz Nimrod caught a 39-yard touchdown pass. And the defense played with lots of intensity, led by defensive back Wesley Walker with nine total tackles. Tennessee played a pretty good game, uh, both sides of the ball. I think it just came down to really who had the ball last. I think it was a close game overall. And the running was superb. I mean, Tennessee's running game was kind of the go-to for them all night. But Joe Milton, he played a solid game. He played pretty consistent through the air, but the but it was more of a balanced attack between and to set up the run game and to have success in that. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're having success in it, keep running the rock. Eventually, they're going to get tired out. Who had the ball last? Tennessee. Tennessee wins the game. They ice it late. Let's go with Kentucky really quick. Devin Leary, 28 for 39 with 372 yards and two touchdowns. 
five carries of 21 yards, five care. He had five carries of 21 yards. I made a mistake on my notes. I see when I type this stuff, I write, I write, it's written down twice. So my mistake, he had five carries of 21 yards. Devin Leary played his best game through the air this season. And there's no joke. He played his best game through the air this season. Uh, he looked like he was in a good rhythm passing the ball. And I think he, I mean, the 372 yards played, you know, consists of that. He looked like, in my eyes, he looked like the North Carolina State, you know, quarterback we once saw when he was in Raleigh, right? He looked like the quarterback that was supposed to play and start the season off like that going into Kentucky. Devin Leary showed up. But it was just not enough to, to, you know, to survive against Tennessee at home. Ray Davis, 16 carries with 42 yards and a touchdown, three receptions with 28 yards. Dane Key, seven receptions with 113 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Dion, uh, Dor- Jordan Dingell, Jordan Dingell, uh, four receptions with 361 yards. Baron Brown, five receptions with 58 yards and a touchdown. Kentucky's defense gave Tennessee all they had. They just couldn't escape with the win. It was tough. It was tough. 33-27, Tennessee defeats Kentucky. Close game overall. I just think Kentucky just couldn't hang on at the end. Came down who had the ball last, in my opinion, and I think that Tennessee got them. I think the running game kind of played a big factor in Tennessee winning the game. Um, and, and not only that, they didn't look as one-dimensional. They changed up their playbook a little bit, which I liked. Tennessee... Had Alabama on its heels, and now Kentucky's playing them next. You know, playing Alabama next Saturday in Lexington, but they had them on its heels. But Tennessee couldn't capitalize as they were going too one dimensional. They relied too much on the run. If you open up the pass a little bit more to set up the run, balanced attack, and balance it out. It's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard for really anybody to contain it. So I think Tennessee played a solid, had a solid game plan going into this one. They were thinking, we can't lose this one, and they didn't. 33-27, Tennessee routes Kentucky. Kentucky going back to the drawing board, but I think Kentucky's still a good team. I'm still high on Kentucky, and we'll see what happens with both teams coming here on out or going here on out and uh, just a win that Tennessee pulled away with and that both teams kind of needed but hey listen close game that's the name of the game Kentucky can bounce back and Tennessee's going to keep marching forward 33-27 Tennessee routes Kentucky and that was the week nine recap let's move on to what I've been promising and talking to you about the frenzy college football playoff rankings my first set for week 10 the college football playoff rankings are going to be released tonight on ESPN uh happy Halloween trick-or-treat I keep saying that title of the episode trick-or-treat but but the frenzy playoff rankings are here for the show I'm going to really release my own rankings we're not talking about the polls anymore because it doesn't really matter after you know after now, right? When Halloween hits in the first week of November and the last week of October going into the first week Saturday of November, the playoff rankings are the ones that matter. So, the college football, the frenzy college football playoff rankings begin like this. 25 through 1. 25, USC. As I, hold on, let me show up the paper. I got it here, guys. Got it, folks. The official thing. I got my reading glasses on. <laughs> I got my reading glasses on. All right, 25, USC. 
I was careful with this one. I think USC is on the verge of dropping out. I was on the verge of if I, if I should actually put them in there. Because of the defensive play that's been happening with USC, they were in a game with Cal. And am I saying Cal is not a bad team? Cal's a decent team. But USC probably should have won that game by about 17 points, maybe, if that. Um, I think that USC has a better team, and I think USC couldn't do much on defense again, and it almost cost them. It was 50-49 win for USC. They were trailing by 14 at the half. Weird thing happened at the second half. They had a whole halftime report, and then under review, after an official review, the coaches came back out of the locker room and said, there's a second quarter. Yeah, the second quarter is still happening. It's, I mean, there's a second left. USC's got to go for a field goal after further review. Something happened, and it messed up, and there was a second left in the, you know, in the second quarter. It was a weird thing that happened. But nonetheless, USC escapes Cal, and they have a Tough game this Saturday, home game, but they got a tough game against Washington this Saturday. So undefeated 8-0 Washington coming into L.A. in the Coliseum. Let's see what happens there. Carefully put USC at 25. Number 24, Kansas State. Kansas State's rocking and rolling, man. I thought they were gone. I thought they were gone out of the water. Silly Joel, don't count out anyone in college football right now. Do not count out anyone. 6-2, and two, Kansas State, 24th in in my list. And I think Kansas State's going to provide a little bit of trouble right now with Texas coming in, you know, going into t- Texas. They got they got to go to Austin. Malik Murphy's a solid quarterback, but he's a freshman. We're going to see what happens there. Number 23, Kansas, after their upset win against Oklahoma. Number 22, Tulane. I like Tulane. I'm still high on them in the group of five. They look solid. 21, 8-0, James Madison. I'm putting them because they have been playing some good football in the Sun Belt. To me, they're the best team in the Sun Belt. Uh, Georgia State's pretty good, but I, I think that I, I think that in the Sun Belt right now currently, James Madison is the team to go after and the team to try to beat in the conference. James Madison, 21. 20, UCLA. I think UCLA's got a tough is it a tough team. They play Colorado good. There's been some reports on, you know, what happened after the game. And we're going to get in, you know, you know, we're not going to get in too much of that, of, you know, the jewelry stealing in the locker room. I think that's pretty harsh of what happened there. Uh, I don't know who stole it, but UCLA, 20. They played a good tough game against Colorado. 19, Air Force. I think Air Force is a solid team, but in the AP poll, I had them at 17. I think that's a little too high. I think they're a solid team in the Mountain West and a team that could probably pose a threat to anybody in that conference, but I think 19 is the correct and accurate thing for Air Force and accurate ranking and spot for Air Force. 18, Utah. I think Utah right now that's a good spot. I'm not going to completely wipe them out of the rankings. They had some good wins, and they were a two-loss team, but 18 is a good spot for the Utah Utes right now. Oregon State lost a close one to Arizona. They're 17. I think Utah, Oregon State is on the back burner right now. They're kind of out of it a little bit, unless somebody ahead of them loses. Then I think Oregon State gets the nod over Utah because of that head-to-head win there. Tennessee, 16. I think Tennessee... Played a good game against Kentucky, and I think Tennessee showed me something a little bit more. 16, Tennessee. Louisville at 15. Louisville, 7-1, man. 15, 
they get they get a good they get a you know get some more big wins. They could be sliding into that top 10 here real soon. So Louisville at 15, they looked pretty solid, looking like they're heading for an ACC title showdown if they keep winning out against Florida State. Number 14, Missouri. Missouri's been the biggest shocker and surpriser uh, of everybody this season. I'm 7-1 heading into November. No one expected that. They have the potential of winning double-digit games this season, and I I think they they can get there. I really do. With the rest of their schedule and how it pans out, I favor them in every game that they got. Ex- Hold yourself there. I'll get to it later. I was about to spoil it for a second there. I favor them in every game currently they have besides one, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Number 13, Notre Dame. Two-loss team. I think Notre Dame's got a good, you know, Got a good thing going. They, they got Clemson this weekend. But I favor them against Clemson. I think Notre Dame at 13 is a good spot for them, uh, especially after I don't really see them making it to the playoff right now, but 13 is a good spot. And New Year's Six Bowl hopes, still alive. Number 12, LSU. I think LSU at 12 is a good spot for them, right outside the top 10 uh, there. And I think that LSU with their offense, they got to go to Tuscaloosa, going to be a tough game. But let's see what happens with LSU. Uh, and if they get that win over Bama, that may be a top 10, top 10 win right there. And it and it will be a, a thing for them to for them to jump right back into the top 10 again. 11, Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma kind of slipped after that performance against OU. I mean, against Kansas against Kansas. I think Oklahoma slipped against Kansas a little bit. And they go from on my list at first, they were seven. And they go from 11, 7 to 11. That's uh, kind of funny. The gas station, 7-11. But they go from 7 to 11 after that loss to Kansas. Number 10, Ole Miss. That West is tricky because you got three teams that are in it. You got one law, uh, undefeated. This is, I'm going by conference record here. Undefeated Alabama in conference. One loss, Ole Miss. And one loss, LSU. Conference record, not overall record, but conference record. Ole Miss is one law has one loss in the conference against Alabama. Ole Miss has got two tricky games coming up left, and that's against A and M Saturday, and against Al against Georgia next week. LSU's got three tough tests in Alabama, Florida, and A and M. Bama has LSU pretty much left, and then they got Kentucky, and then they got Auburn at the end of the year. Now. Let's see who makes it or breaks it. Somebody's got to lose. It's going to be one of those three teams. Somebody's going down. We just don't know yet. But Ole Miss is looking pretty solid from here on out late. Got a good game against A&M. Let's see what happens there. The one-loss team, number 10 on my book because of the win against LSU. Ole Miss is going to be ahead of LSU. Ole Miss has got to be ahead of LSU until Ole Miss loses again. And then they're out of the SEC West race. It only takes one. Ole Miss right now is ahead. Number nine, Penn State. I think Penn State is a team where they're they're still trying to find their footing a little bit on offense after that Ohio State game. They looked a little bit iffy against Indiana, but let's see how they look this week. I, they got a game against Michigan next Saturday that they got to tread lightly on, uh, and they they got to show some form of offensive consistency and. You know, more of the more of the passing game with Drew Allard. I think they need to open that up a little bit more. But right now, I got them at number nine. Number eight, Texas. I think Texas is at eight. 
and you're thinking, okay, really? For the next one, really? They beat them. But number seven, Alabama. I put Texas at eight and Bama at seven because I just think right now that loss against OU, who just lost to Texas, matters a little bit. Or just who just lost to Texas, but also lost to you know, you know, also lost to Kansas. You know, Oklahoma lost to Kansas, but beat Texas. I think that I think that ranking matters and it's justified. Bama's been on a roll lately. Ever since that Texas law, uh, Texas loss. I put them at seven. I think Bama's ahead of Texas. I think if they played at a neutral site, maybe right now Bama gets them because of the injury due to Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy, not a bad quarterback, but let's see how he does against Kansas State Saturday. I may change my ranking. Who knows? Texas at eight, Alabama at seven. Now, let's go with the first two out, and then we'll go to the four. Even though in my heart says, okay, do it, do it. I can't do it. I can't do this. Number six, Oregon, and number five, Washington. Now, I cannot put Oregon ahead of Washington. Washington won. Washington won against Oregon. But ever since that win, Oregon has looked about the same or is not really that, just getting better, getting better as the season goes on. Washington? Y'all heard the whistle. Kind of gone downhill a little bit. And then I say that like their play has. They survived Arizona State and they survived Stanford. They really didn't play with any consistency against either teams. They didn't even score an offensive touchdown against Arizona State. Up until Arizona State, they were the best, they were the number one passing offense there and the number one offense there. That spot has now been taken by LSU. LSU is now the number one offense with Washington being in the top five now. But with that offense, they kind of just kind of dipped a little bit the past two games. I think that Oregon right now has the most completed team, but Washington has guys that could can hurt you, like a Roma Dunze and a Jalen McMillan and a Jalen Polk and a Michael Penix Jr. and a Dylan Johnson. They got some guys on that offense that can hurt you and they can beat you, but the most complete team on both sides of the ball right now is Oregon, and it's proving that currently. Washington, good team, but I, but Oregon is the most complete team in my eyes currently. I don't know who I'd favor right now between those two if Washington keeps playing like this. But if Washington plays how they have been before the A's, the Arizona State and Stanford games, if they play how they did against Oregon and before that, then Washington is going to be a problem. And I, and, and I completely agree with that. Washington has been a problem all year. They're going to be a problem if they do that and play like that, how they get it, get against Oregon against anybody, but against Arizona State and they play like how they did against Stanford, I don't really know what happens with Washington, especially when they got Utah, Oregon State, and Wazoo coming up at the to, to try to close out the year. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. They also got SC Saturday, so let's see what happens there. First two out, Oregon at six, Washington at five. Number four, Florida State. Florida State at four, I am high on Florida State. The only problem I got with them is consistency on finishing and starting games. Uh, They've had games where they've started really slow and it almost cost them, and they finished strong. And they've had games where they started strong but kind of finished, you know, bad where it could have cost them, but it was so far ha- so far out 
the score was so far up, Florida State won the game. So they're a solid team. They got a great receiving core with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. A Heisman finalist could be in Jordan Travis. I I think Florida State's got a good team. They just got to play a little bit more consistent. I got them at four right now because I do think they are a solid team and they deserve to be in the top four. They've been playing well all year. They're currently undefeated, 8-0. Number three, Ohio State, another team that's been playing, you know, had some games and had some moments where they're not the strongest, but they're they're fighting and they're fighting, and they're keeping on winning. The running game's got to open up a lot more, I think. I kind of want to see a little bit more from Trainum and Henderson and Mayan Williams, but Ohio State's looking good, and they're keeping on keeping on fighting, right? Marvin Harrison Jr. making his case late for a Bolitnikoff and or a Heisman Trophy. So, number two and one. Number two, Georgia, and number one, Michigan. Those are my top two teams. Number two, Georgia. Why? They look good. I just think Michigan is the most complete team in college football. Oregon's the most complete team in the Pac-12. Let me rephrase that. Oregon is the most complete team in the Pac-12. The most complete team in all of college football is Michigan. Now, you're going to sit there and say, well, what about the NCAA? I'm going to get to that in a minute. Georgia is a team where you look at Georgia and you're like, okay, they can take on anybody and beat anybody. They can, but it's depending on a lot of areas. Are they going to sleepwalk again? Which Georgia team is going to show up? Are they battle-tested enough? They had a game against Florida. They had a game against Auburn, and they were are a little bit battle-tested, but, but they got a game against Missouri Saturday. That could be a tough test for them. Let's see what happens there. Georgia, solid team, but I got to put them at two right now because I think the way Michigan's been playing overall and the completeness of Michigan and how they've been starting and finishing their games, Michigan gets the nod over Georgia for me currently. But Georgia's still in the playoff. Georgia's number two. Michigan, number one currently. Michigan at one. The sign-stealing investigation, I know uh, there's more coming out of it. Uh, You've already seen it about former OC Matt Weiss and the FBI and and, and the University of Michigan police investigating alleging computer crimes, uh, and the NCAA is going up there to investigate as well, questioning coaches during their bye week. Uh, Michigan's got Purdue this Saturday. I think right now they need to enjoy their season and then focus on the future later. Right now, it's a tough tough situation, tough spot, because there's no there's no doubt that I think that they did do it. <laughs> I think that there, there's too much evidence behind it that they did do it, but at the same time, that they got to enjoy the season currently right now and how everything is. Uh, there's too much information out there, but enjoy everything right now while it's given, because this could be a championship team. So let's see what happens throughout. Michigan at one, Georgia at two, and that is the frenzy college ball playoff rankings for week 10. I'm going to release uh, them on you know next week as well after this weekend's games happen, and they will be adjusted, obviously, after you know who wins and who loses. You will see the college ball, the frenzy college ball playoff rankings on my socials when uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday. You will see them on X, Facebook, and Instagram, and I will post them and show you the rankings in case you didn't get a chance to listen to this podcast episode today. Now, before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, Week Ten Preview and Predictions. 
told you I almost spoiled everything. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys when it comes to Missouri and Georgia. Come on, because that's a game we're going to be picking in here just a little bit. All right? Smile, as you can see on YouTube. Now, let's go with four games that I think that are pretty good, because there's a lot of good games out there, including Bedlam. I think Bedlam's going to be a very interesting game at 2.30, but I'm not picking Bedlam. Kansas State at Texas, number one. Kansas State, 6-2. Texas at 7-1. This game intrigues me. Why? Because I thought Kansas State was out, guys. I thought they were gone. I Believe me, I was one of the first ones to say, I think Kansas State's kind of off after that upset, after they got upset by Oklahoma State. But then, dun-dun, trick-or-treat, Kansas State's back, and they're in it, guys. Uh, Texas at 7-1. One loss to OU. Quinn Ewers is out. They may have needed him for this game. Maybe. Let's go with the keys for a second here. Let's feed Jonathan Brooks and create explosive plays with him. If I'm Texas, I'm giving the ball to Jonathan Brooks and feeding him the ball and creating explosive plays there. And for Kansas State, you just got to find a way to pressure Malik Murphy. You got to find a way to make he's a freshman, and you got to make him play like a freshman. It's a term of, listen, make him play like a freshman. And make him play like a freshman. Make him play like he's in a big game for the first time in his career, which he is. Kansas State's a pretty tough opponent. And make him make him pressure him. You know, make him feel nervous. Make him create those, you know, those errors. And let's see what happens. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the advantage of the running game, I, I favor Texas in the ground game, obviously. Uh, defensively, on on, I, I like Kansas State's front seven a lot. I think they can pr- they can probably get to the quarterback and they can pressure Malik Murphy. It's going to be a tough one, man. It's going to be a tough one when it comes to these two teams. Kansas State back from the dead, guys. Texas Hook'em Horns still in it. Tough game overall. Close game. Give me Texas to win late, late. I'm going to say by a score of 28-24. Texas 28. Kansas State, 24. I think it's going to be a three-point game going into the fourth. Texas is going to break away with Jonathan Brooks. Score, touchdown. Texas ices it. 28-24. Texas defeats Kansas State. Makes them 6-3. And and Texas goes to 8-1 on their way to a spot in the Big 12 title game. Washington at USC. When I look at this game, this game is a make-it-or-break-it game for both. Washington, I don't know. It's hard for Washington because of the way they've been playing against Arizona State and in Stanford. It's one of those things where they probably have to prove a point in this game, and I think they would. Two keys for Washington and one key for USC. The two keys for Washington are this. Contain Caleb Williams and Marshawn Lloyd, and then Washington needs just to play how they did against Oregon. Play like you did against Oregon. Find the matchups with Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and and, and Jalen Polk. You know Polk, McMillan, and Dunze are going to beat those secondaries. They're going to win those matchups. Play like you did against Oregon and find the and find those matchups and and win those matchups. And then contain Caleb Williams and Marshawn Lloyd on defense, then there you go. That's the game. Washington has it. But you got to play like you did and do not play inconsistent. If you play inconsistent like you did against Stanford and Arizona State, USC with Caleb Williams, because he's still Caleb Williams, ladies and gentlemen, will find a way to trick you and will find a way to get you and make you slip up. For USC, 
Make that happen. That's the key there. Make that happen. Find a way to slow down Michael Penix in that receiving core. you got to find a way to make that happen. Make them slow them down, right? Slow them down. Find a way. And if they play inconsistent, capitalize on that. Who do I have winning this game? I think Washington is going to not play as inconsistent. I think they're going to play a little bit more consistent Saturday. I think they know what's been happening, and I think they're going to correct it. I think Washington gets USC. I don't think USC has the defense right now to slow Washington down. I think Washington uh, and USC, if it gets into a scoring match, maybe USC can do it. Maybe if Washington's defense doesn't hold up, but I like Washington's defense in this. I think they can find a way to make a couple of stops, and Washington gets the win over USC by a score of 42-21. I think Washington wins 42-21 against USC. Washington 42, USC 21. I think they run away with it in midway through the third, and Washington moves to 9-0, and and USC goes to 7-3. and Now, Missouri at Georgia. Two more games before we conclude today's episode, guys. Missouri at Georgia. Tough game. This is probably going to be the toughest game that Georgia has faced up to date. Toughest game that Missouri has faced up to date. Surprising team of the year, Missouri. That goes to them. Coach of the year, give it to Eli Drinkwitz, man. He has saved not only his job, he's saved he has saved everything pretty much when it comes to Missouri right now. So saved their hopes of uh, could be going to Atlanta. Has saved their hopes of winning, uh, going to a good bowl game, and has saved their he saved his job. Right, Missouri. He's done. He's done it for Missouri. Seven and one. They got to go to number one in the country. Athens. Eight and no. Georgia. Key for Missouri. Brady Cook and the offense have to play lights out. Perfect game plan. They got to create explosive plays. That's one. Create new looks, that's two. And number three, with those new looks, it's kind of an add-on number two, confuse the defense. Create those new looks to confuse the defense and create those explosive plays. Do not, you know, don't let it hit them, right? And then, and, 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 you know, they're not going to know what hit them. And, that, and that's why I say confuse the defense with new looks and create those explosive plays with the weapons that you got on offense. Missouri has it. They got Cody Schrader. They got Theo Theo Wees Jr. They have Luther Burden. They have Brady Cook at quarterback. You just got to find those matchups against Georgia to try to win the game, and it could it could happen. It could be a shocker at two thirty on uh, three thirty Eastern, two thirty Central on CBS Saturday. Georgia's defense limits their weapons on offense. That's the key for Georgia. If they play Georgia Bulldog defense with the depth that they got, if they limit a Cody Schrader in the run game and they limit the uh, Theo Wees and live their burden in the passing game and they find a way to get to Brady Cook, it's going to be a long day. And I think Georgia has the weapons that could limit their weapons on offense. Georgia's defense could limit them. And I think they're a solid team. I think this game is going to be close. You got to find a way to limit their weapons, and then you got to find a way to create new looks against Georgia's defense. Who wins this game? Close game. Very close game. I think this is going to be, they're going to give Georgia a run for their money. I favor Missouri in every game they had on their schedule. Now I can spoil it, except Georgia. (laughs) I don't favor them against Georgia. Georgia wins this game. I don't think it's going to be close, but Georgia wins this game. Georgia wins 28-21. I think it's going to be a game in the 20s. Georgia 28, Missouri 
21. Missouri goes to 7-2. and two, Georgia goes to 9-0. and oh, And they kind of confirm and keep their stronghold in the SEC East and go on, most likely will go on and clinch it eventually after this win. 28, 28 Georgia, 21, Missouri. Georgia defeats Missouri by touchdown in Athens in a close one. Last game before we conclude this episode of Pigskin Frenzy, let's move on. LSU at Alabama. LSU at Alabama, the game that everybody's been waiting for. We've been talking about it. I grew up watching this game. This is a classic game right here. LSU-Bama, first Saturday of November, always, unless it's COVID year, always happening then. Last game ever for CBS on at night for CBS, LSU at Alabama, keeping it original, keeping it classic. Battle of two behemoths. The winner of this game most likely or could go to the SEC championship game to, def- and to represent the West division. LSU at Alabama. I'm waiting for it. I've been waiting for this one. Questions for keys instead of really keys to the game because it, it, answers, it answers it. Can LSU's defense, especially their secondary, slow down the big bombs down the field by quarterback Jalen Milrow? That is the question and the key to win this game for LSU. Their defense, so they're going to be without Zy Alexander due to a lower body injury, and Denver, Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut, the transfers, are unavailable at this time. Sure, they're going to they're gonna probably start Ashton Stamp. They're going to start uh, LaTerrence Welsh. Guys who have played a little bit before, but not a whole lot. And then you gotta you gotta move Sage Ryan from safety to corner and let him start. Because he plays, you know, corner and safety. Out four corners, they lose Makai Wingo on the defensive front due to surgery, and he's out for the next six weeks. So Makai Wingo won't, you know, be able to play. Good news for them. On the, on the line, on the defensive line, they got some depth on the defensive line. Jordan Jefferson's been a solid asset for that team. The, the front seven on defensive line has been improved. It has been a, a good thing going, going up against this team, and they've kind of fixed that right. Problem with this is the secondary. Secondary is depleted. That could cost them. Maybe it could cost them. Big bombs down the field could cost them. You got to find a way to limit those big bombs down the field and make Jalen Miller, you know, you know, miss those throws and miss those opportunities, right? The corners have got to play good and it's a little bit of pressure on those corners. Now, can Alabama score with LSU's offense? A lot of people have been talking about this a little bit. I mean, and not not as much as LSU's defense. But the thing is, they got to be talking about this for a little bit. Can Alabama score with LSU's offense? Because I'm just going to say this now. That's what LSU wants. They want you to score with Bama. They want you to score with them. If you get into a shootout with LSU, you gotta, you're kind of iffy on it. Because now it's like, okay, we may get into a shootout with LSU, and I don't know if it's going to go our way or not. They want you to go into those waters. If you go into those waters, it could be a long night. Who wins this game? <laughs> Who wins this ball game? Close game. It's going to come down to a couple of stops, and it's going to come down to who who scores. Bama can't score with LSU's offense. I got LSU beating Alabama. 
I got LSU defeating Alabama by a score of 38-35. I think it's going to be 35-31 to 31 going into the fourth, and then LSU scores late, gets them 38-35, LSU 38, Alabama 35, and then LSU improves to 7-2, and, and while Bama goes to 7-2 and two in this ball game. That should do it for Pigskin Frenzy. How are we feeling? We're feeling pretty good. I'm, <laughs> that was a long episode, an hour to be exact, guys. First hour episode of Pigskin Frenzy in a while. So, guys, subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Apple, Podbean, if you're listening on there, share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, X, Instagram, and Facebook, Pigskin Frenzy, just type that in, follow like the pages there. You'll get episode updates, news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You'll get uh, trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, big thank you for listening today. And Thursday, NFL, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Week 8 recap and Week 9 preview and predictions of the top matchups in the NFL. And we're going to break down the trades from the trade deadline, as well as injury reports. Also, I'm Joel Norris signing off Thursday. Don't forget, pigskin frenzy then. For everybody out there, stay the course.